and welcome to Chubby Medican Friends. This is your place where we discuss a wide range of topics, ranging from emergency services to our everyday life journeys. Well, today we have a few individuals that are currently in the education process for obtaining their paramedic, correct? Right. Yes, that's where we're at. <laughs> so I thought it would be, uh, be a good chance to sit down and discuss what it's like being in class. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to do like a couple questions and answering type deal. You can hear everything good? Yep. Yep. We're good. We're good. We're good. Miss Soft spoken over there. I'm sorry. <laughs> 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 All right. So we have uh, Samantha and Anthony here today. So um, I made my other class we were, we were teaching give us a bunch of like questions. And uh, a couple things that popped up were kind of cool that I never thought about even talking about teaching yep. is one of them was like running calls um, on individuals that you know, like family, friends, yeah. et cetera, like the public. Have y'all had, have to have that, I guess, or run into that situation? I've, I've had, had people. Yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a handful, not, not many. Um, I never really thought about it. Yeah. I don't know. I've had people that I know, but not really family. Yeah. So, yeah. So it hasn't been too, too bad. No, not too bad. Okay, that's good. It's more like you show up, you know their kids or, you know, something. It's like, oh, hey, how you doing? Like, Yeah. So you don't, you don't, it doesn't, do you think it affects you when you actually have to do your treatment? I don't think so. It, no. No, the couple times I have, it's more of like a, you just, you do your thing right. and don't have you to worry about it. show up and yeah, you're going to do what you've been trained to do regardless of who it is. Yeah, right. All right, so both of you work part-time? Full time. Yeah, full she time. Just went full time. Just went full time. Boom. Yeah. That's <laughs> awesome. We won't say where that way that we don't have any of those problems. But so it's been a little bit. Um, I know you've had previous like first responder times, Samantha. Right. So you've had that. I don't know, Anthony, if you had any of that. But no, I just started this year back in the very beginning of February. Yeah. So, I mean, we're talking less than six months. Yeah. So you're brand new. That's right. that's what's cool. And that's what I wanted to, you know, kind of start this thing. Because, again, you don't have a bunch of people that give you that experience of what it's like to, to kind of start. But, um. That's one of the one of the, I guess another questions that would come up is the time frame to feel comfortable in the job, right? Because I think class teaches you the overall. This is how you treat a patient. This is how you assess. But there's like fifty percent of the job they we we can't cover. Like mm-hmm. the feeling comfortable, the getting in and out of ambulances, the running calls, the dealing with public or talking to public. How are y'all doing with that that aspect of it? I think it's the exposure of the calls you get though too. I mean, if you just get your Regular routine calls, it's not the same as if you get something a little bit more intricate to it. So I think a lot of people don't understand what people call 911 for. <laughs> of So that was, I know, so it's been 11 years since I first started, but the first month I was like, what are we doing? Like I thought <laughs> we were prepped to just do like the crazy stuff all the oh, time, yeah. but yes. that's 15, 20% of your job. That's, that's not a lot, but you're right. The exposure of just all the calls yeah. is definitely going to give you yeah. experience. What about you? Do you feel, I, I feel like you're a natural, comfortable person. Like yeah, there's not much that stresses. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Um, I'm pretty much, I try to be as even keel as I can, regardless of the call. Yeah. But yeah, I think Sam's right. If you just, if you're running the, you're picking up Joe Schmo four times a day yeah. and that's all you do, you're not going to get that much experience. I agree. But if you're running the, you know, the car wreck to the cardiac arrest and everything in between, which is kind of cool because that's when I think about, like, time frame being in the system. So if you have a, a one-year medic versus a five-year medic, they could literally have the same experience mm-hmm. when it comes to Absolutely. respiratory emergencies right. or cardiac arrest. I know of individuals that's been in the system three years and yet to run a cardiac arrest. Wow. Rare. Yeah. I get it. It's rare. But, I mean, I don't know how how I would deal with that three years in and then finally running one being like, yeah, okay, do weird. I know what I'm doing? <laughs> it would be super weird. 
But yeah, the confidence deal, I feel like even teaching, getting students to feel comfortable, just even doing it in class. Yeah. It's like a, when you jump into that truck, it's just this whole, I got to feel confident deal. I think it's also different. Like, you can do ride-alongs and stuff, and that's one thing you're going to get one experience, but it's different actually working when you're actually one that either you're in the back, you're legitimately treating, or you're up front, you know, there's all kinds of stuff going on in the back, and you're bouncing down the road trying to talk to the, on the radio to dispatch. Oh yeah, I'll get where you need to go safely. And the logistics of running EMS, <laughs> we don't have enough time in class to ever cover that part. Well, there's no way class can actually do it justice. No, there's no way. There's no. I don't care how much makeup you put on somebody or how <laughs> fake you want to be a patient. There's nothing like being in somebody else's home treating patients the way they are. Which is, I think, why we do this job. Because it's not a normal every day to day. You're going to do something thing. different. Every you run, day. you yes. run similar calls, but it's always done differently. Right. So it's never you're never doing the same thing twice. Yeah. Even if it's the same patient. That's, yeah. A lot of oh, times yeah. it's different different problems or different issues. But now talking about certain calls, there's another one come up is dealing with actually death and dying individuals. So we talk about in class all the time how people are sick, but actually seeing. Well, I'll just say your first dead body or dealing with the patient that dies in front of you. Like, that's a big difference than somebody having an allergic reaction you're going to treat with Benadryl and Epi or something than pushing on somebody's chest yeah. and feeling that <laughs> overall like craziness of that yeah, first call. Funny. Well, and then having to turn around and go run your next call like nothing ever yeah, happened. Yeah, that was a big topic that got brought up was like nobody understands the mental side of EMS of like you running those bad calls, then boom. You're running somebody that's had a complaint for a month that won't go to a family doctor, but yep. they use 911 as their primary caregiver to the hospital, whatever it may be. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah, no, my very first call actually working was a went out as a cardiac arrest. Yeah. We got there. Patient was laying in the floor, agonal respirations, you know, just gasps. Um, and fire department was doing CPR. And he had been doing compressions for a while. I could tell he was getting tired, so I took over. So, yeah, first call actually doing real chest compressions. That's crazy. It was kind of it was a wake-up to, like, oh, this is be, real. It, I think it gets you pumped up. It, it does. does. Yeah, I think if you – I know a lot of people that just run those, like, boring calls, and they're, and then you have students that are like, I just want to run the cool stuff all yeah. the time. Smithers raising her hand like, that's just <laughs> all me. All the time. <laughs> white cloud over here. <laughs> but that can be a good thing. So if you don't understand the whole white cloud, black cloud, that's what we say. <laughs> so we say white cloud, that's a good day. And then black cloud, if you're the people that come on shift and it's just chaotic, crazy calls all the time. And I feel like it does follow people for a certain amount of time. I kind of start a new one. It's the tornado, too. The whole damn tornado just comes and <laughs> it's true, yeah. just destroys everything. Just the so. storm. The storm, right? Yeah. Just comes through. I know, I know a few people like Me that. Too. I feel like when. <laughs> ones in our class. <laughs> when, when certain people like, run the shift it's like oh god it's gonna be a hurricane yes. all day long you think a weather affects that i do yeah i, I do, do too. i mean something as simple as turn around don't drown and people want to go play stupid games and that's uh, well, because you live up in an area where <laughs> you have a lot of creeks and water. a bunch of calls for people getting stuck in the water yes. snow i mean <laughs> yes. that's a big thing i always say that you know they they joke about how when the moon's full does it actually affect people? But it one hundred percent, one hundred percent does. Yeah, the day before, day of, and day after, man. It's, it's usually yeah, it's it's Friday or Saturday night. It's also a full moon. Friday the thirteenth, full moon. <laughs> Summertime, people are out. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Okay, so a couple other questions that they would bring up is, you know, you, you work as an EMT, emergency right. medical technician, right now. You're trying to be, you know, get that medic experience. 
But do you feel like the people that you work with or have worked with in the past can either help or hinder Absolutely. your learning process? Absolutely. Yeah, I've noticed that a lot of people don't like to teach, which is not everybody's forte. I get right. it. But sometimes that does affect your learning experience in the back of the truck. Yeah, I think a big thing, too, is ask questions. Force yeah. those people so it could be, to teach you. I guess both parties. So you're going to get as much out of it as you put into it. Right. So if you were, even if you're working with somebody who will teach you, but you never ask questions, they're not just going to offer that information up. Right. Some people will, but most won't. And you see, my problem was just like, I didn't have questions until I was in a situation because I never imagined that situation happening or being a thing. You don't know what to ask. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I get it. So then I'm like, oh, okay. You know, why did you do this? Or why would you have done that? differently or right i was fortunate enough i think when i started uh, my first probably a year and a half two years i worked with individuals that just spilled knowledge right literally told you everything you wanted to know any questions you had you can ask they can answer it and if they didn't know we'd go back and look it up find the answer i spent days just going over equipment in the truck i remember spending hours first thing in the morning but then you got people that are like i'm good i'm gonna chill to the next call and you don't so it does affect a little bit but you're right i think I've had students come on you know, my truck, and I'd be like, well, is there anything you want to talk about? And they're like, no, we're, we're good. So I'm like, you're good with everything. You can put a C-collar on. You know, you can you can gather IV supplies together for us, blah, blah, blah. Then you go run your first trauma, and they're Useless. lost. <laughs> yeah. I don't do my hands. <laughs> yeah, which is fine. You can be lost, but be honest with yourself and say, hey, I, I you know, it is part of the game, I guess well, you'd and say. I think but. that's another thing is like, yeah, you go over skills in class, but it's completely different whenever you're actually in the back of a truck, you're bouncing on the road. Yeah. And it's like, hey, grab me a 500 bag and spike it. And you're like, yeah, okay. What's a 500 bag look like? <laughs> and then what yeah. do you mean spike it? Where's the needle? And then you start scanning the truck and you're like, what cabinet's it in? Where's it at? Yeah. And then you get everything and you're like, I don't remember. <laughs> so we just had that conversation. We're talking about um, shock management in yeah. class. And how it's it's relatively easy as a basic to treat, you know, shock. And even as a medic, you, there's only certain things you can and can't do. But can you remember it under the stress of the actual event? Because there's a difference between working calmly and working Absolutely. stressed out. That's a whole other subject, but I, I agree. I think that comes back to confidence. And, yeah, and then just repetition, practice, yep. training. Yeah. To do it. Yeah. Do it again. Man, I and I know this is, was against the rules at the time, but we wore just regular shirts that said medics yeah. on the front, so they didn't know if you were an EMT or medic. And one of the guys I worked with would literally be like, you good? And shut the door. Oh, gosh. <laughs> He'd be like, hey, man, we're both the same. We get to the hospital, and it's supposed to be an EMS call or a medic call. I'll I'll tell him I did everything, but like the actual assessment and hands-on initial portion, yeah. he let me do and work myself, and it helped me so oh, yeah. much when it comes to it. But, yeah. So, what? all right, so – we talked about medics, you know, kind of hindering. Uh, one of the biggest questions we have is how mentally prepared do you need to be before coming to work? Oh, I think extremely. I mean, you're dealing with people's lives. Yeah. Just because you run those routine calls doesn't mean you ain't going to get something that's actually going to evolve into something. Yeah. Right. Or Yeah. I mean. And I, I, what I always say is you try to leave work at work and home at home. Yes. And that's hard to do because it's it the way it is. And life is life. And, you know, you get up and you have kids and they're just being buttholes that day and. <laughs> You're just like yeah. trying to just barely get them out of the house without, you know, you know, you're screaming your head off. But they, it may, it, does it ruin your morning? And it, does that affect your patient care? I, I think it does. I think there's a, there's a whole mental game to this whole oh, thing. Absolutely. I mean, just running late alone messes me up. So yeah, yeah. It also flips I can't. back to home too. It's like, you know, you don't want to take frustration or like if you had a long night, you didn't get to sleep much, whatever. 
and you come home and it's like now you're you're tired, you're irritated because you had a crappy night. And yeah, you're trying to be patient with people, but it's that, like you know we got. I have two great Danes, and yeah. Leo will go through these spills of just diarrhea, and yep. we're up five times a night. If I have to work or teach the next day, it's I mean, hard. you're mentally drained. That's why the questions of 24-hour shifts versus 12-hour yeah. shifts, call volume does affect that, but I believe once we moved to 12, they moved it. They said it was for safety reasons. We're stuck there. It's whatever. But I think mentally it's more stressful than it was when it was 24-hour shifts. Yeah. I think, I don't know, because currently right now I work 24s and 12s. Yeah. Um, I think there are definitely benefits and downsides to both. Oh, yeah. But I think overall – the 24-hour shift is better because it's like for that 24 hours you're at work and then when you leave you're done you're done yeah and you get to mentally take a break right. for days yep. is it 24 48 or 24 72 48s so that means if nobody knows 24 hours on 48 hours off so one day on two days off uh we were at 24 72s which was <laughs> the best schedule ever oh sure but i mean that. the first the first five six years of my career is 24 48 <laughs> so that's 240 hours a month if you work a full time yeah. i mean it's a lot yeah you don't really get paid for all that extra <laughs> But I get it. I think the, the, the schedule does affect it. But um, just what about mentally dealing with the calls? Do you think we do enough in the field or, I guess you would say, on the job, re- going back and talking about previous calls? So if you have a tough one. I think it depends on your agency, but I think for the most part, it also depends on who you're working with. Some people will talk about it and be like, yeah, what could we have done differently? How could that call have gone better? You know, the last questions, and you guys can talk about it, even if it's just amongst you and your partner. Yeah. Um, and then if there obviously is, like, a really bad call, then, yeah, usually your, your supervisors and stuff will kind of be like, hey, we should probably sit down and talk about this. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of people who might have bad calls that they don't get the opportunity to do that, and they need to voice up and say, hey, I need to have something right. done. Do you think the, the overall attitude towards decompressing after calls is a positive thing, or do you think – it's more of a, hey, just deal with it on your own and go on. I think that, at least my experience, is that it's, for the most part, people take care of each other. And if you know, like, hey, even if you weren't part of that call, but you know, hey, these guys just ran something gnarly. Yeah. You send them a message. Right, you're going to check on them. Call you, them. Yeah, you call them. Be like, hey, man, I heard you had a bad one. Yeah. You good? Yeah. I've had those, too. And you have to do it. Just to talk about it helps a lot. Yeah. So. I think so, too. Um, one of the, you know, I always talk about the call about the infant that got stabbed in the chest that I ran, and I got to run it, run it with a guy that I actually was on the fire department with, knew him, very good friends with him, um, and I was like, at the end, it was like, dude, what the heck did we just run? And if it wasn't for working with him, was that call, you know, going to be harder if it was just a random part time that day or something like that? So the mental aspect does does play a lot of it. So this kind of breaks into it because I've got some funny stories when it comes to this, but. How you really don't get breaks to eat if you're busy, so you better bring <laughs> snacks, right? Always. I got my snack bag. Yeah, everybody does. I remember a day, um, a guy, he's a captain now of uh, the system locally, but he literally was yelling in the ambulance, like, I just need to eat. It was like 5 o'clock in the afternoon, hadn't had breakfast, hadn't had lunch, oh, yeah. and it was just constant, just on, kept going and kept going. Have you had that experience yet where you just yes. don't get a break? Yeah, there was definitely one night, well, pretty much the whole day, like that same situation just Hey, man, yeah, we're going to get lunch in a minute. Okay, it's 4 o'clock. Oh, well, we're not gonna, we haven't had lunch. Yeah. Okay, no, three more calls, whatever. Oh, now we've got a trip out of town. Oh, yeah. Back, finally, you get to eat something at like 1.30 in the morning. Yep. Yep. And then it's like, all right, whatever. <laughs> you can't really do Absolutely. anything about it. Uh, I know that it's 
a lot like that in emergency services, but also yeah. in like emergency management, not emergency management, but emergency medicine. Mm-hmm. So in the ER, it's like that. I would probably mm-hmm. say ICU if it's a crazy day, it's like that. It's kind of expected that if it's going to be a crazy day, you, you're not going to stop. We just got to keep going. But, but yeah, that's one thing that they didn't realize, I guess, is, hey, we don't actually have <laughs> breaks <laughs> to calm down. So, all right. So let's see. Let's see. Let's, let's get a question there. Um. One of the, this was a question before starting, um, is what was the actual expectation or a perception of what EMS actually was? You feel like it's the same now that you're in it? You even have fire department experience. So you got to see a little bit of the, what they kind of look like. But now that you're in it, is it what you thought it was or do you think it's different? Yes, no. <laughs> I think yeah. it, it is kind of what I expected, but then there's also certain things like, Honestly, before I, like, got into class and stuff, I didn't realize that there were routine calls. I kind of figured, oh, if you get a call, you're flipping the lights and sirens on everything you're Oh, running. yeah. Yeah. It's not always 911. Right. No, they may call 911, but it's, it's not, not always an emergent yeah, response. Yeah, it's not an emergency response. So that was something that I kind of realized. I was like, oh, okay. Didn't realize that. Yeah, there's a thing called Omega calls. I don't know if you've heard of these. These are people that call and... I need my blood pressure checked for something like <laughs> random. And there right. it's a, we'll get to you when we can call. Right. And then you have what we, we call alpha calls, which is no lights and sirens. Yep. You get in the truck, you drive routine. There's no emergency. First responders. Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. no first responders, no extra help from rescue yeah. squads. Nothing. Not unless you call for it. Yeah. 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 But that's, that's one of those things where it's like, you always thought it was just yeah. lack of better words, balls to the wall. You yeah. just go, 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 but it's not, it's, yeah. it's half and half. I would say probably. Yeah. And sometimes you run those emergency calls that are, <laughs> not emergency. Not even truly <laughs> close oh, yeah. to being emergent. But. And then it's the other way around, too. You get those alpha response yes. where it's just yeah. it's supposed to be nothing. You get there, and you're like, breathing. oh, okay, we're doing cardiac arrest procedures now. <laughs> That's one of those biggest questions when, when I try to start talking with, like, dispatchers is, you know, why is there such a difference? I feel like it's because the way people perceive or say the answers to the questions versus what they're actually getting well, and and dispatchers, they don't, they're don't they not seeing what's happening. They're yes. getting a picture painted for them, and they're either going to downplay it because they don't want to call no one in the first place, or they're going to overplay it because they think it's going to get them where they want to be faster. Faster, right. yeah. I know somebody <laughs> that used to call 911, and he'd say, I need an ambulance now. phone <laughs> Because he knew he would get an emergency response every single time. Yes. But, I mean, he's, he's just playing the system, I guess. For, yeah. And it was needed one time because I think his, his father went to cardiac arrest, and they were wanting to ask all the questions. He's like, I need an ambulance hung up the phone, mm-hmm. and he's like, I'm not playing that game. And then you also have those patients that know the keywords. Yes. Oh. <laughs> chest pain. My chest pain. <laughs> it's a 10 out of 10. Nope. <laughs> yeah, I have previous cardiac histories. Now it's a Delta <laughs> response. Nope. And a lot of people that may, you know, listen to this and don't understand that. It's just, that's the way we dispatch things. So Alpha Bravo is usually like your non-emergent or mm-hmm. less emergent, and then your Charlie Delta Echoes. Further you go up the alphabet, it gets a lot worse. All right. Um... So, one of the things that they said while they were in class was hard to do was learning how to assess a dummy or a mannequin mm. versus a real person. Oh, I get that. No matter, <laughs> I think when I studied from a national registry, this was the hardest thing of like just doing normal practicing to a real thing Absolutely. and getting it down. Do you think there's stuff out there for us to learn from that could be closer to the real thing, or is there just nothing like the real thing? Well, I feel like you get those routine calls, so, you know. Ema fell on the floor. She's not hurt. She just needs to get back up in her chair. Take that as an opportunity to practice mm-hmm. those skills. Yes. Every yeah. single time. Just because they fell and they're not hurt, I mean, of course, you have to get consent from your patient. 
But do a full head to toe. Do a full set of vitals. Get used to doing that every single time. So when you do get those more serious calls, it's muscle memory. So I think it comes down to the lead person on the call, too. Because they can be like, hey, <clears throat> the person I'm with right now is, is new. And he would they would love a chance to do a full blow assessment. Do you care? And I mm-hmm. guarantee you... 99 of 100 patients would be like, sure, no problem. Absolutely. And they wouldn't care. They wouldn't care if you looked in their eyeballs, checked in their mouths, mm-hmm. listened to lung sounds, even though it's not needed, but you want to practice and get used to it. Because you can do it once or twice in class, but you got to move on to the next subject, and then we got to yep. learn something new. I think yep. also another thing is, at least it's also agency dependent, but where I work, we do a lot of like inter-facility transports yeah. and or like hospital and nursing home yeah. stuff. It's BLS calls. So I'm in the back by myself. A medic partner's driving. Yeah. You have potentially 20, 30 minutes. Oh, yeah. Do all those things. Do assessments. Get full vitals. Listen to lung sounds. Listen to heart sounds. Take those opportunities. Don't just sit back there and twiddle your thumbs. Yeah. Actually take the time right. to, to – yeah, I agree. Well, and you look at a mannequin, too. I mean, it's the ideal um, structuring. And it's a static environment. Every human body is – Designed differently, there you have different landmarks, different curvatures, and everything yeah, kind of changes completely. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I, I always talk about this too because in class we always did twelve leads. And they show us how to do it, but and I've talked about this in class. First time I ever had to do a twelve lead on female, I'm like, okay, <laughs> what do I do? Uh, <laughs> how do I not make this feel comfortable for them when I am extremely uncomfortable <laughs> yep. with being this personal with somebody that I right. don't know? Yeah, I think luckily I've been fortunate to I say fortunate, but have to do a lot of 12 leads. Yeah. And so I've kind of got to the point now where I realize it doesn't, like it matters for the patient to be comfortable, but at the same time, I just have to get this done. Right. So I think, yeah, there's that fine line between, like you explain to them, hey, this is what I'm doing. This is why I need to do it. That consent. Mm-hmm. The whole right. consent part. Yeah, get that consent. We hated the chapters to talk about in the book, but we do it every day, <laughs> all day. <laughs> once, once it's happening, don't feel that, oh, this is awkward and I, I'm really sorry I have to do this. Like, yeah. Once you have consent, get it do what you need to do. Get it oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And most people, they, they they don't care. Right. I've had those patients like, listen, honey, I's 70 years old. I've Everybody in the hospital has already seen me, so you're good to go. Just do what you, you need. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they know exactly what's going to happen. But it does it. you think it still boils down to that comfortable, being comfortable way to talk? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. for sure. Oh, yeah. And I think just so. simply explaining what you're doing will ease the patient a lot. Yeah, it comes with that confidence of having that patient interaction, yeah. too. Yeah. Uh, we'll end on this one. Uh, it may not be a positive thing, but it can be. But a lot of people talked about that they thought there was a standard of education mm-hmm. from individuals that are teaching you. Is it the same or is it different by people that you get? It's like, is it the education standard the same or is it a little different from person to person? As far as like instructors? Yeah. Every instructor teaches differently. Yeah. 100%. I agree. Whether that's good, <laughs> bad, or indifferent, doesn't yeah. matter. But yeah, you're going to learn. Like right now we're doing cardiology and every instructor that we have teaches it slightly differently. Is it the same base information? Yes. Yeah. But they go a different way about it. Do you think it's important for them to be slightly different? Do you think it should all be structurally the same? I think it's kind of a double-edged sword because sometimes there's one way to do things. It's kind of like math. There should be one way to do things, but apparently there's like 30 different ways to do it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But then you get exposed to multiple options and one might work better for you than the other. So. And that's important. We had a, at one time, they were warning people that when they went and ride clinical to ride with the same person or same two people. And I always argued that I don't like that because I purposely rode with people when I did clinical that I knew weren't the best clinically, 
but I wanted to know what they were doing so I can either do it differently or learn from those experiences. And I feel like, exactly. so even if you have, my, my biggest point to this is even if you have an instructor you don't like, you're going to learn something from them if oh, you yeah. just listen. You just pay attention and you listen. Yep. Which turns into a positive thing. I think that's another thing to remember is everybody has different strengths. Yes. So, like, yes. you you might learn how to run a cardiac arrest call from somebody who is really terrible at writing reports. Yes. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. You're not, you're not going to learn how <laughs> yes, to write a report I agree. From but if you want to learn how to run a code, this person is legit. Right. And so. then you have really strong people in respiratory emergencies because mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. – when they first started, that's all they oh, ran. Yeah. Or, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or trauma. This or person like, yes. may go 10 years and – run a few, but this person put five tourniquets on his first month that he worked, you know, and this person may go 20 years and never do it. So right. you have to get that experience. I agree. That's why I think clinical time is so important. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. you get to see all the You should definitely be open-minded to, mm-hmm. to yeah. just anyone that you get exposure from. Yeah. All right. One more question we'll end on this. Uh, I think we talked about this a little bit beforehand, but the question was, can you save everyone? No. No, you can't. And in class, they, they – they kind of perceive it as if you see this, you can do this, and they're good. And that's because it's the positive side of it, right? But when you get into it, you know, can you fix every single person you run? No. And I think uh, I think you mentioned something about that. Uh, when you run it, it's your job to get them from point A to point B, yep. stabilize them as, as much as possible, and then it's the next person's job mm-hmm. to, to continue that care. And hopefully all that together will bring good patient outcomes. Good patient outcomes. Mm-hmm. You know, HA always teaches the the – chain of survival mm-hmm. and it's right. literally what we do right we, we try to fix them completely but our job is to stabilize as much as possible for well and there there are plenty of things that we run that you can't. we can't <laughs> fix they need uh, surgery yeah so or our, they're they're past that point of right. initial care it's mm-hmm. chronic you know antibiotics right. or you know right. uh, thrombolytics or something like that that we we just don't care or don't use or our 30 minute trip ain't gonna fix yeah and that's the thing too is i think you don't think about it as much while you're just in class, but once you start working, as you see, oh, we have 15 minutes to get to the hospital. You can only do so much in 15. Minutes. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You can't do, you can't do a ton of stuff just in that 15 minute time frame. You just have. I always teach it as you have a cup. Your job is to fill that cup with as much skills as you can. If you only get to half, it's just the way it right. rolls. It's just the way it rolls. Well, guys, I appreciate it. Appreciate you coming on and talking. We'll have to do this again. For sure, some more individuals too. <laughs> yeah. We uh, we talked about it before we're trying to figure out how to tell funny stories at uh, funny stories at work too without getting too technical <laughs> yeah. or hippo because you know? it is funny. I mean, we do see oh, some yeah. stuff that makes us laugh and go home and uh, and keep coming back. But all right, guys, I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Yeah, thank you. Well, that's it, everyone. I'm your host, Chubby Medic. We appreciate you listening. Check out our other episodes and uh, check back in next week for the next one. Take care. Mm-hmm.